When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. Hey, this is Kevin Monroe, and I want to welcome you to episode 54 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. If you're following along, that means we're in year two, barely into year two of the podcast. And if you've also been following along, you know that we're just wrapping up what we've called the Extraordinary Experiment. This was a program, 13 weeks, where we invited people into a series of challenges, weekly challenges, with the belief that everybody can live an extraordinary life. And we invited people to join us for an experiment to see what would happen. And if you know me, you know that I'm open to doing experiments and actually like experimenting with new things. And so I thought I'd do an experiment with today's podcast, and that's doing it far more unscripted, just using kind of some thoughts on a mind map and see where that goes rather than working it out with intricate detail. I detail it out sometimes because I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to have so many filler words, and I really need to avoid bunny trails. If you've had real-life conversation with me, you know that bunny trails can be challenges, and there's hardly a bunny trail I can resist and sometimes get lost trying to figure out intricate details and dates that are really irrelevant, but they're important in my mind, and I'm trying to close the loop. Now, let me tell you that this episode almost didn't happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, I may save some of those to go into a little later. But there was a tweet from a new listener today, Gary, about how encouraging the podcast was. And wow, Gary, that was an encouragement to me because I had really thought about just giving the podcast a rest this week and blowing it off. This week in The Extraordinary Experiment, we're talking about the encouragement challenge, and we're inviting people to encourage others. And yesterday morning, totally unsolicited, I receive an email from a friend, Dick, and he just said, good morning. And a quick note to say good morning and thank you for the good work you are doing for so many. Your commitment and impact are remarkable. At the moment that email arrived or the moments leading up to that email, I was really struggling with discouragement. Actually, still am. That's one of the reasons why I was thinking, I'd just blow off the podcast this week. But then I read the email. Dick said, as I start the week, I have just reread the cadet prayer, and a verse jumped out at me that applies to you. Encourage us in our endeavor to live above the common level of life. Make us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong, and never to be content with the half-truth when the whole can be won. Your work or the work you're doing is about choosing the harder right. That is what purpose is all about. Do not ever underestimate the importance of your cause and know that when you're tired, God will carry you forward. Dick, man, that was just such an incredible email. And you may never know how timely it was. Or maybe you'll really hear that and say, wow, it was timely. Folks, here's what I know about the encouragement challenge that we're doing through the extraordinary experiment. You never know the struggle someone else is battling at the moment, right? Socrates said that. Be kind because you never know the battle another person has. And we all have our battles. And so it was these two encouraging comments. One, a tweet 
from a brand new listener and then an email from an old friend that encouraged me to proceed and go forward with today's podcast. So again, it's keeping it real. And for me, that means being authentic. Well, Part of the reason that I'm abandoning the heavy scripting today is because I've had friends telling me, Kevin, you come across as too polished and we know you. And in real life, you aren't polished. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you really knew me, you'd know I'm not a very polished fella. I just like showing up being real. So I want to show up today. I want to serve you and I want to shine a light that helps you on your journey to higher purpose in business, leadership, life, wherever it is that you're traveling on your journey. So I want to talk to you about some things and I want to kind of frame these under the banner. If you're anything like me, then perhaps one or more of these things gets in your way. In your way of whatever that is that you're seeking to pursue in life. So one of the things that gets in my way, frustration. I am no stranger to frustration. Over the past couple of weeks, I've actually hosted a couple of small group conversations about frustration. I think the first time I was ever asked, why are you so frustrated? As I thought about that comment or the question, I think so is almost always in it when people ask me. It's not just why are you frustrated, Kevin? Why are you so frustrated? Because it seems to me that I'm very familiar with having high degrees of frustration. And I think the first person that asked me that was my mother in like first or second grade. Why are you so frustrated? School was frustrating for me. And as I started studying this and the conversations we've had with some groups of folks lately, frustration, when you hear the question, if you've ever been asked the question, why are you frustrated? I'm curious, do you hear that as a complaint or a compliment? For me, I always heard it as a complaint, at least until recently. And then I thought, wow, what if the question, why are you so frustrated, isn't an indictment. It's actually an invitation. Why is frustration an invitation, you might be wondering. Part of it goes back to the how you define frustration. How I originally understood frustration was just the feeling of being upset or annoyed. You know, that that's the frustration you have when you're on hold with customer service. That's the frustration you might experience when you're in line at, you know, like the DMV in your state. Now, I live in the state of Georgia. In recent years, they've reinvented, re-engineered the DMV to where it is now an incredible experience and people are not frustrated. They're blown away by the experience. But this idea of frustration, being upset or annoyed, why are you upset or annoyed? The definition goes on to say that it's especially because of the inability to change or achieve something. Now, that gets to the heart of why frustration is an invitation. As I was looking at this definition, it really hit me that it's this prevention of progress or the prevention of the fulfillment of something. That's where frustration is an invitation. I believe the real reason you may be frustrated is that you see a gap. There's a gap between what is in your experience and what you believe is possible. And this gap is the frustration you feel. 
Now, how you respond to that frustration presents one of two opportunities, uh, broadly speaking. One is to use that frustration as friction and allow it to widen the gap and to increase the anxiety that you feel or the anger, the resentment against the system. And this is kind of what I see, you know, when I look at news channels and they're showing riots on the street and they're talking about the people being frustrated. They're frustrated because there is a gap, but that frustration is always being vented as friction. Now, what if, on the other hand, you could channel the frustration and use it as fuel? Well, what I said to a friend a few weeks ago is that I have enough frustration to launch a rocket to the moon in my life. And that's what I'm seeking to do now is how do I channel frustration so that it closes the gap and it gets me closer to the goal, the aspiration that I see, feel and believe to be true. So that's a question I want to ask for you. If you're like me and you're easily frustrated, step back and look, what is it that's really frustrating you? And is it a gap? And if it is a gap that's frustrating you, what can you do to close the gap rather than broaden the gap? And how can you harness or channel your frustration and use it as fuel rather than friction? All right. A second thing that gets in my way, and wow, this is a big one for me. It's one I don't really like talking about, but I found myself talking about it a lot lately because it's so universal. I'm not the only one to talk about this, but I'm just telling you, it's been real in my life. And that's the imposter syndrome. There are times that my struggles with the imposter syndrome and with insecurity are so great that they're almost crippling. And I have a friend that says, Kevin, people wouldn't believe that if you said that. And I'm like, really? Because that's from where I sit and how I look at things. There are times that I just see the gravity of the imposter syndrome and the insecurity. Now, I personally believe everybody on the planet struggles with insecurity. And lots of people, I've read the percentages, somewhere between 75 to 80 percent of the people have dealt with imposter syndrome at one time or another. But I happen to believe that if you were to take all the money that is spent in the securities exchange in the United States, that what is spent addressing the insecurity gap we have far outweighs all the money traded in the securities exchange. So think back. The last time that you bought a course or you signed up for a class or you took a certification. Now, I'm not against any of those things, but what was really at stake in your mind and what is it that you were seeking to address? Was it really a knowledge gap or was it some kind of validation or verification that you have the skills and abilities and somebody says you're good enough? Because the story that goes in the back of your mind is you are not enough, that you don't have enough, that you spend your life living more in the scarcity loop than the abundance loop. And oh my gosh, how I know that to be true in my life. So I'm seeking to make that transition and abandon scarcity thinking, abandon living in the scarcity loop, and take up residence in the abundance loop. I'm hoping to have a conversation with Juliana Park, who is the author of the book, The Abundance Loop, that I just discovered last week and started reading. 
That would be a fascinating conversation and very appropriate for the Higher Purpose podcast. All right. So another thing that I think about, what's something that gets in my way, something that gets in my way, and this is what the extraordinary experiment is all about. And that is when I look at me, I see a guy that's just as ordinary as they come. There's nothing particularly unique or impressive about me. I grew up in a middle class family in a small town in the rural South with average or below average school system. You know, I learned more about grammar and English in freshman English in college than anywhere on my journey to freshman English. Freshman English, I had the worst grade, the lowest grade of anything in my college career, but it's the class in which I learned the most. So I look at myself as just incredibly ordinary. And that I think gets in our way because we have this myth about what it means to be extraordinary. And we think there are people, and there are a few people that are born with extraordinary talent. And we think of them as extraordinary. You know, whether that's Michael Jordan on the basketball court or Michael Phelps in the swimming competitions, you look at them and you just go, wow, they're just engineered for greatness. Well, maybe they do have some physical characteristics, but I I know for both of those individuals, they have extraordinary routines and have made extraordinary preparation. And that's what allows them to show up and be extraordinary in their fields. I believe the same thing is possible for you and me. We may be very ordinary when it comes to the gifts, talents, and abilities we have. But when we apply extraordinary focus, extraordinary care, extraordinary attention to those, the results are extraordinary. So don't write yourself off. Don't sell yourself short. Don't say that you're not worthy of noble purpose because you're ordinary. Hey, folks, the majority of people on the planet are ordinary. Join the club. But just adopt an extraordinary mindset and an extraordinary approach to how you live your life and you will live an extraordinary life. A couple of other things that get in my way, and I had a conversation today. We did a Facebook Live earlier today. This is being recorded on uh, Tuesday, July 31st, a week before it will air. But we did a, my friend Kevin Breeding and I did a Facebook Live conversation talking about how getting it right is overrated. And one of the things that, why do we struggle to get it right. It's that perfectionism. And I can tell you, when I talk about perfectionism, I usually think of myself as a recovering perfectionist. And it's usually been about, you know, five or 10 minutes since my last relapse because there's just this, I don't know where it comes from in my life, but there is this belief that I should be able to do it perfectly. I never will. You never will. So what happens is because we can't do it perfectly, we end up just not doing many of the things that we should be doing or could be doing. Take the should out of it. You know, this whole idea of this podcast, boy, I can tell you this podcast has never been perfect. It never will be perfect because of your host. I just don't do things perfect. But there are times that the pursuit or the idea that something could be done right or perfect stops me from doing it at all, or it delays me for doing things much longer than it should. So 
What I would say to you is getting it right is overrated. Keeping it real is what counts. So I'd love to know what's stopping you, what's getting in your way. Two other things that I want to share that are in this, if you're like me and these get in your way. One of those is overthinking, and that kind of goes with the getting it right. Wow. I have a good friend, Michael Hudson. He's been a guest on the podcast before. And Michael and I, you know, we'll often call one another and say, hey, I need your help. And we usually know what's going on. It's because there's some project we're on and we're just overthinking it. And you know what happens to me? I don't know if this happens to you, but overthinking almost always leads to underacting. And the correction to overthinking is to take action. And imperfect action always trumps perfect inaction. Let me say that again. Imperfect action always trumps perfect inaction. The final thing that I want to share about the struggles that I have, and I'm wondering if these get in your way. And I've realized this probably in the last two or three weeks more than any, that I downplay success and I replay failure. Now, there's a whole nother conversation that goes on here. And I think I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, and that's the need to redefine success and failure. Because if there's anything, you know, in those conversations when people ask, what would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self? If I could go back and change one thing that I understood at 20 or 21, 25, it would be the definition of success and failure. I believed that failure was anything that didn't work out perfectly, basically, or anything that didn't turn out as it should. And failure was so much more fatal rather than just failure being feedback. So this whole idea that downplaying success, you know, when People pay me a compliment. I don't know if this is true of you, but it's really easy to just write that off. Oh, it's no big deal. And that's a wrong attitude. If you do that, I would challenge you to do what I'm trying to do and relearn myself. And that's take an honest assessment and say, thank you. I appreciate that. And rather than writing it off saying it was no big deal. But I don't celebrate success. But you know what I do? It's really hard to forget failure. Whatever those things I've defined as failure, the episodes that didn't turn out just the way I thought they should or things that didn't produce the winning result or things that ended up being shut down, things that didn't work. Those things just seem to be on an endless loop in my mind. And you see it over and over and over again. Hey, we've got to rewire that. We've got to rewire how we define failure and fail forward and let your failure, when you do something that is in your definition of failure, move forward, accept it, move forward. Chuck Colson, uh, I went through a, a mentoring program with him years ago, the first year of the Centurions program, and he said he got this one three-word plaque from Mother Teresa. And I share these three words with you. They're three words that I've used to try to redefine how I understand success because the three words were faithfulness not success. What does that even mean? Faithfulness, not success. Well, it means being faithful to your values, to your vision, and not being so worried about the outcomes. It's not the result. It's what you honored and how you were faithful to what matters most to you in the process. That's how you define success. That's a very different definition. So I'd encourage you to think about that. Well, hey, let me wrap this conversation up. I want to ask, 
How can I help you? You know, I want to mention three things. If you're stuck, I want to encourage you to take some kind of action. Just take action. Imperfect action. Don't sit there overthinking it. Take action. Now, if you're discouraged, reach out to someone. Someone around you. If there's no one around you to reach out to, I'm serious. Reach out to me. Send me an email. Pick up the phone and call me. And if you're depressed, and you know I've talked about that before on the show, I've had bouts of depression. If you're depressed, get help today. I had a conversation with a friend earlier today who said that uh, somebody posted a comment on a video he had done yesterday, a Facebook Live session he had done, and the person talked about being depressed and that they had really connected with them and helped them get help. So folks, depression is not anything to take lightly. If you are depressed, I encourage you to get help today. And I'm serious, if you don't have a friend that you can reach out to, please contact me. Well, we're into year two of the Higher Purpose podcast. We'll see where things go. We have some fascinating conversations lined up for you. And then we have some gaps that we're looking to fill. So I'm not really sure how we will fill some of those gaps. Maybe conversations with you would fill one of those gaps. Let me know who you would love to hear interviewed on the show or what kind of topics you would love to hear discussed at a deeper level. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation. I know it's a different kind of conversation from what we've often had on the Higher Purpose podcast, but it's an experiment. And your feedback will help us know how we continue these types of experiments. So until we connect again, I want to encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Remember, if you ever think that your work could be less ordinary, there's not much between you and something extraordinary. Just 13 weeks and a bold experiment. Find out more at 13weekstoextraordinary.com.